Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics, and I've got two guests on the show this week. Corinne Cantor, Head of Consulting. Hi, Corinne. Hey, Dom. How are you? Good. And we've also got Sean McCarthy, our Australian New Zealand Chairman. Hi, Sean. Hi, Dom and Corinne. Hey, Sean. Now, both of you have a lot of history with uh, the Circumplex, and that's going to come in very handy this week because we have a question from a listener from Lisa who was asking about items inside the Lifestyles Inventory report or the survey. And there's some of the ones that get questioned by people being debriefed or participants in workshops or what have you. Some of the more peculiar items, if you like. So what I'd love to do is to pick both your brains on, you know, what do they mean? How should they be interpreted or how do people interpret them? That kind of stuff. How does that sound? It's great. It's a great topic, Dom. Well, what do you reckon is the most questioned item in the LSI? If you had to put your money on it, Corinne? I would say alive and earthy. (laughs) Spot on. That's the first question Lisa asked. So so it's under self-actualizing is the question, is the item, a very alive kind of earthy person. And that, in my experience, is the one everyone asks, what on earth, no pun intended, (laughs) does that mean? Yeah. So what does it mean? Where does it come from? Sean, maybe if if you take that one. I was hoping you pick her in. Pick ah! her in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very interesting item, alive and earthy kind of person, I think is the phrase, isn't it? And it's very much representative of Maslow's work. It, it, you know, we, we freely admit it's a 70s item when the uh, original lifestyles inventory was uh, in the developmental phase in 76 to 79. And it's honestly a, an item we'd all quite like to lose. But every time the statistics are run on the data and the item regression and correlations with the outcomes, the summary perception questions, it always factors up really strongly. And so we we hesitate to lose it because on the statistical evidence, it's a good item. It's just an item that creates these kinds of questions. Another way to think about it is to look at the words and break it down. So it's a live kind of earthy person. So what does a live mean? I mean, they've got a a spontaneity about them. They've got a zest for living kind uh-huh. of thing. They, you know, you see them enter the room. They take up space. They're big. But that can also be an act. I mean, that could be a power competitive style behavior. There's a few people uh, on social media who might portray that, Sean. Oh, absolutely. And so the alive kind of earthy person says this is not, uh, you know, if you don't mind me swearing on your podcast, it's not bullshit. Mm. I mean, it's genuine. And it's it's not the earth mother kind of thing that a lot of people think of. Mm. It's just this person. This person has got something about them, and it's very real. So, in terms of self-actualizing, that's one of the reasons I suspect one effect is up so well. Mm. So sometimes I describe it as being like down to earth and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that oh, yeah. applies? I think yeah. so. I feel like yeah. grounded, yeah. soul of the earth, yep. down to earth, no BS. What you see is what you get. Uh-huh. You know, yep. someone who's so comfortable with themselves that. They're yep. not filtering. They're not self-editing. You can trust right. what you get from them. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Sean, thanks for that because that is the, the most question one. Can I throw yeah, some others at you as well? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So 
also under self-actualized and spontaneous, which you kind yeah. of touched on there already. So, Corinne, I, I have a, a real passion around spontaneous <laughs> yeah. as an item in self-actualizing. And I think when people read it, sometimes they think wacky, you know, like someone who's spontaneous is kind out of the blue, a little quirky, a bit wacky. Or, or even it's like someone who's going to sell all their worldly possessions and go, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't, I'm not quite sure what, at what point we've ascribed or attributed this idea that it's kind of, at, kind of an extreme thing. Mm. But I believe that what's important about spontaneous is when you, if you think about self-actualizing as a style, when you're really comfortable with yourself and mm. comfortable in your own skin, you're not going to self-edit, mm. okay? You're, or you're not going to self-censor. So because you're comfortable, you're comfortable being spontaneous in sharing about mm. yourself, what you think and how you feel. And you're comfortable with where that might go and how people might respond to it. So it's spontaneity, the way that I think about it. Of course, you may well be someone who is, I think sometimes people think of spontaneous and impulsive yes. as being the same, yeah. same mm-hmm. thing. And it, it doesn't, if, you know, spontaneous might mean that you can be impulsive, but it, that's not really the whole meaning. To me, it's really around whether you're comfortable with just saying what's on your mind and being visible in your feelings and your thoughts and, you know, being open. Uh, do you think as well it's also been being open to being able to go off script? Yes. You yes, know, like... Absolutely. And so that doesn't mean, yeah, I'm selling all my worldly possessions and traveling the world. No. It just means I'm throwing a different question at you like this yeah. one right now, you know? And, yeah. And that... It's okay. We can deal with it. I love that. I think that's a great way to think about it, Dom, that it's about not being afraid to go off script, that you might have a script, you might stick to it, you might not. But if somebody else throws something at you, you're comfortable with that. And equally, you're not so, your inner critic isn't so Mm. loud that it interferes with Mm. your ability to actually say what you think or express how you feel and own that and Mm. be visible. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, look, I, I agree. And another a, a word that's been out there for a while over the last few years and, and uh, much used is vulnerable. Mm. So you could also argue that the spontaneous, you know, if, if, I, if I'm exhibiting vulnerability in front of you right now, I'm being spontaneous. That's an all-encompassing word for if I dare use it again, no bullshit. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, actually. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Well, Sean, what about I've got another couple here, which yeah. I think are kind of linked, but under different styles. So there's humanistic encouraging has popular leader and affiliative has leads because liked by others. And yeah. I think the, the link for me between these is the, the popular part and the liked by others part. Like, and the pushback, I guess, for people is, you know, as a leader, sometimes you've got to make unpopular decisions, you know, yeah. and, and as a leader, sometimes... You can't be liked by others because you've got to make the call that needs to be made rather than the popular decision. Yeah. Well, again, I, my initial response to that is to be, go back to the scoring, the zero, one, two. It's a modified Gutman scale. So zero is essentially unlike this person. Uh, one is like this person quite often and two is like this person most of the time. So if you use the illustration of senior executives having to make tough decisions, if they're doing it all the time, they're not going to be very affiliated, are they? They're not going to be very constructive. If they're doing it when they have to at times like this with the COVID-19 virus, then that's because it's not making them any of the least affiliated. So, you know, popular leader, 
leads because what was that? Uh, leads because liked by others. Leads because liked by others. Indicators of the servant leadership phenomenon, which mm. I'm sure many of the listeners will be familiar with. It. I lead because you allow me to lead, mm. and uh-huh. part, part of that is I'm popular. I mean, in terms mm. of you like me well enough, whatever. And the other is that it does have impact on my judgment about things. Yeah, and and what what's ringing a bell for me is you know when you're talking about that scale because it's essentially unlike me. So essentially, so if I score a zero, I'm saying essentially it's unlike me to lead because I'm liked by others. Yeah. So what does that indicate? You know, and on the opposite side, it's most of the time I lead because I like by others. It's not all the time. It's not 100% of the time. It's most of the time. I also think that, you know, going back to kind of maybe some of it, um, linking it to servant leadership, part of humanistic encouraging is that it's the style that also looks at trustworthiness. Mm. Okay, so if I a trust, what's an indication of trustworthiness? Mm. It might be because, uh, and, and that's what makes some somebody a popular leader, mm. in that the you know they're seen as someone that is approachable, that people can trust, that people can rely on. So it's that as well. Mm. It doesn't talk about. I think people take it to, when people react to that kind of item, they take it to mean always to decision-making. So really when my experience is when people push back, they say, well, sometimes you're not popular because you, but what they're saying is sometimes a leader has to make unpopular decisions. Mm. That's not quite the same as what the item's asking. I can be a popular leader but still make unpopular decisions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about, that just sparked a thought that it's similar in a way to the other affiliative item, which is judgment influenced by liking for mm. people. Yep. Because people, the pushback I've seen on this is mm. that people are saying, isn't that playing favorites? Yeah, yeah. You know, and isn't that yeah. kind of politics and stuff? Is that yeah. a good thing? What do you think, Sean? Yeah, that, that item is an interesting one again. It was originally placed in there on the structured belief that Overly affiliative individuals may well be seen as being approval style oriented. So I'm talking about the you know the super duper friendly kind of person who does have those kind of favourites and surrounds themselves with people who will agree with them and all that kind of stuff is more about approval style than it is about true humanist encouraging or affiliative style. Wow. So when Clay Lathley devised the original inventory, he put it in there. It's sort of a way of saying, well, that's a very high order item in the affiliate style in terms of how a government scale works, which I'll talk to if you think I need to. And so it's one of the items that you might give two to everything in affiliate, but you may not give that person two and that one because you don't be, believe that they are influenced by people, liking for people. But if you if you give a two to that, you will have given a two to everything else. So you've mm. got an unbelievably affiliative individual who's probably showing some approval style indicators in the next part of the circumflex. So is this sort of because, you know, styles next to each other are the most related? So is this where maybe that starts kind of spilling over, if you like? Okay. And I think that if you've scored, it's like the intensity level. So, you know, if you scored high on that, then there's a chance you've scored on all the other, as Sean said, all the other items in affiliative as well. I also think if you go back to the Gutman scale, if it's not, it essentially doesn't, you know, it doesn't describe me, you get a zero. Mm, my yep. influence is not influenced yep. by my judgment's not influenced by people liking by like others. Thank people. you. <laughs> um, you know, one some quite often 
you know, and two not at all, uh, or two essentially it describes me. So I think it's not just the item in and of itself. It's yeah. the response that or the score that people have given mm. it. And what does it mean if I've given it that score and it's in relation to the rest of the scale as well? Mm-hmm. Um, it has yep. to be looked at. So I think the Gutman scale is important. I think the whole construct is that yeah. a style is defined by a number of questions. And so these items are kind of interesting, but the style is defined by a number of questions and the level at which you demonstrate or people see this in your behavior. The other thing that I think is interesting, I'd be interested in what you think about this, Sean, is that to a degree, while people sometimes can feel a bit, I don't know if it's frustrated, but they, you know, it's ambiguous and they're not sure it's left open. There's a level at which there has to be room in a tool like this for some interpretation and how people actually oh, score it because yeah. that's part yeah. of its essence. Yeah. It's yeah. Look, it's worth going right back to what the inventory is designed to measure. So bear with me. When I started with human statistics in 1978, there was no such thing as LXI2. There was the lifestyles inventory. Clay Lafferty was a classic cognitive psychologist who said – what runs around the side of your head uh, completely influences your effectiveness. So he wanted a way of measuring self-concept. And self-concept is what do you attribute to yourself? Do I see myself as being tall, short, popular, unpopular, friendly, unfriendly, needs people, don't need people, good at doing things, bad at doing things, etc. These are all attributions that we make about ourselves every moment of the day. Ah. And so LSI, or Lifestyles Inventory, was originally designed to say these are the attributions grouped into styles. So which of these items do you attribute to yourself? When it came to, by popular demand, uh, a feedback from others tool, a lot of effort was put into, so how should that be designed? And to cut a very long story short, it became even more important to capture the notion of attribution. So it is a bit of a truism that you cannot accurately describe the behavior of another person because how you react to a person's behavior has got a lot to do with you, not just the behavior. (laughs) Mm. And so it's very difficult to accurately describe the behavior of another person. And so what Clay hit on is, well, let's measure what they attribute to that individual. So do you think, do you attribute popular leader to that person? Do you attribute thinks people more important than things? Do you attribute, et cetera, et cetera? Because if those are the attributions you have about that person, you will behave towards that person on the basis of those attributions. Uh-huh. And that's why the, that's one of the reasons why the LSI has been such a successful, if you like, a very potent tool for behavioral change now for a long time because it's not getting stuck on, do I do this or don't I do this? That's not the issue. It's why the hell do people think I'm like that? That's uh-huh. the question. Uh-huh. So my advice to anybody who's debriefing an LSI too is, it's not about whether or not you are like this. It's what might you be doing that's causing people to think you are like this. Yes. This is the notion of attribution. Mm. And by, the whole thing was designed in that way, to take away the, but I'm not like that, they don't understand me kind of thing. Mm. And into, so what are you doing that's causing people to think you are whatever it is? And let's try and track that down. And often it can be something very, very simple. I mean, I remember my war stories all a very long time ago, but working with one of the big accounting firms and this partner had a very high extension and competitive and he was actually a really nice guy and I, I mean I was looking for micro gestures and all sorts of things that might indicate as to why people saw him as being very competitive and I personally didn't see his behavior as being competitive and we were desperately trying to get why might people see that 
Then he suddenly said to me, you know, I bet you I'm the least competitive person in this organization. And I thought, aha. <laughs> I, I said, look, there's 5,000 people in this place and you are the least competitive. Oh, that's not what I mean, he said. No, but that's what you said. So how often do you use expressions like, I bet you, the best, the worst, the ist, whatever uh-huh. it is that might happen to be. And he said, yeah, actually, I do a lot. I talk about sports and gambling and games and competitions and winning and losing. Mm. But it's not the way I approach my work. And I said, well, it may not be the way to approach your work, but it's certainly the impression you give other people. So that's Mm. what they are attributing to you. So if you change that behavior, you change the attribution. You change the attribution, you change the performance. Yeah, right. Yeah, it can be small things like that. It's it's interesting, isn't it? That's right, yeah. All right, can I hit you with another couple of uh, curly items as well. And we yeah. we talked already about approval a little, how it can spill into approval. So there's a couple in there, which is one is wants to be trusted, but it's hard. Mm. Yeah. And I think the issue people have with this is, you know, the but it's hard, like what does that really mean? Part of it? What do you think, Sean? It's a higher order item in the notion of a Gutman scale. So just... If I may, I feel compelled to just take a minute or two to quickly review the the government scale, which uh, people should be trained and have been trained in, or at least exposed to in their LSI accreditation training. But the government scale is a ordered scale, if you like, where questions are asked in levels of intensity. Ah. And I mean, the, actually a really good illustration of how government scale works in a non-technical way, is the Wikipedia page on a government scale, G-U-T-T-M-A-N, Gutman. And the example that's given, I, I can't quote it precisely, but it doesn't matter, is here's a number of questions. I am comfortable with overseas immigrants moving into my country, yes or no? I am comfortable with overseas immigrants moving into my city, yes or no? I am comfortable with overseas immigrants moving into my neighbourhood, yes or no? I would be comfortable if recently arrived overseas immigrants moved into the house next door. And I would be comfortable if a recently arrived immigrant married my son or daughter. So that's a very ordered scale. The way a government scale works is I can say yes to coming into the country. I can say yes to moving into the city, but I might start to say no when it gets to the neighbourhood. Or I might say no when it gets to my children. Right. So you, there's a point at which you say no on that scale, and that's, that's an element of social acceptance to difference, actually in an inventory. So we look at the, the other way a government scale works is if I have said yes to they could marry my children, by definition, I will have said yes to everything else. Right, because it's so the most what, intense item, it's the closest yeah, to home. It, yeah, that's what I mean, it's sort of like a higher order item. That's a good example. If you get a score for that one, you probably got a, a two or very close to a two because it's averaged out on everything else. And so, if you, I mean, to put it in the circumflex, the really easy illustration is getting a two for practical does not make you a perfectionist, right? But getting a two for something like... Hostile. Hostile, forceful, direct, self-centered, can be indifferent. Obviously, I've opened up a page here. De-emphasizes feelings, those kinds of things. If you've got a two to those, you're going to have a two to practical business like confident, believes in action, not words, looks for challenges, et cetera. Because mm. those are the, I'm happy for my kids to marry the immigrant. Uh-huh. The practical business-like and competent, although I'm happy for immigrants to come into the country, right? It does not make me a perfectionist. So it's the look at the easiest way to understand this is to look at the list that's in the uh, the report itself, and the ones at the top are the very higher order items. The ones at the bottom are the lower order items. But you have to build those items in, 
And that's why Gutman scale is used in the, uh, the LSI because it gives a very strong handle on those attributions that people are applying to others. Yeah, I like that. So, so I, I get it now. So it's about the intensity of the question. So you got to look at them in clusters, then, correct? And, yeah, yeah. And groups rather than yeah. just and also, picking yeah. one out. Because I also think too, I think the items are really useful to help people understand. I guess some of the detail when you get some feedback, you want to chunk it down, mm-hmm. but then you, it's almost like you got to chunk it back up to mm. and have a look at the whole picture of what else is in the circumplex because mm. that's part of the story taken together as much as any one individual style's results, Mm. if that makes sense. And and I think the other important note on that with these items, peculiar items, is that typically speaking, one item is not going to make or break a score. Yeah. You know, one one item on its own. So if if there's ambiguity around one of them, it's not going to change it from the 10th percentile to the 90th, right? It will have an impact, of course, but not that big. So... Yeah. It's not getting stuck on that. You'd have to score on several items Correct. to actually push it yeah. up. Yeah. So on something like perfectionistic, yeah. I think you have to score what a two be, on ten items. Or yeah, something like I think you got you've got the latitude of two on ten items to get you up to about yeah. the fiftieth percentile. Yeah, so you got a lot of room. Yeah. <laughs> so know. one one item's yeah. not going to throw yeah, that out. Exactly. Yeah, and, and the other thing we do there is that's why we get people to get feedback from sort of like eight or ten people, so that and we look at the aggregate scores because. If you, Corinne, see me as very perfectionistic, for instance, but none of the other nine people do, it's not going to have a hell of a big impact on my perfectionistic score because it's one out of ten. So the idea of using multiple feedback raters and aggregating the data into averages is that, you know, on average, people don't see you as being a perfectionist, or on yes, average, people yes. do. Yeah. Mm. Really and, and Sean, you, you might have answered a couple of the other items, actually, oh, in that good. description, which is... You know, ones, especially in, in some of the styles, which can sound quite positive, like, why wouldn't we want that? Yeah. Like, under competitive is proud, self-sufficient, under perfectionistic is competent, practical. You know, like, aren't those positive things? Aren't those good things? Yeah. Yeah, they are. And being proud, self-sufficient does not make you competitive. Yeah. It's, again, it's like, I'm okay with immigrants coming into my country. That, that does not make me a racist or a non-racist. Right, so proud self-sufficient is a lower order item that you give yourself a two to that, or if everybody else gives you a two to that, it's not even going to take you out to the tenth percentile. But it's when it's like make snap judgments, egotistical, overestimates ability, always have Most to be fair. right. These are the, yeah. these are the ones that are going to make you competitive on top of hmm. proud self-sufficient type hmm. items. I think it's really important just to build on what Sean's saying for people to remember that the fiftieth percentile. So hmm. what we say about the yeah. circumplex is. Your green and red or your passive defensive and aggressive defensive really are functional up into the 50th percentile. And so you can score on a number of items. It's only if it takes you beyond the 50th percentile, which yeah. is usually because you've been scored on the high impact, high intensity items of that scale. So once you hit over mm. that, then that starts to be more intense. So in I always think with perfectionistic, for example, the items, and I don't have them in front of me, Sean, but I'm thinking practical, prefers actions to words, business-like, competent. They're going to show up at the lower end, below the 50th percentile. But when you get to things like striving or looks for challenges, you're starting to move beyond that 50th percentile. When you're into things like hostile, 
de-emphasizes feelings, you are well and truly in a very intense part of the perfectionistic mm. style. Mm. Correct. So I guess this is as good a time as any to remind our practitioners out there is don't be perfectionistic about people's profiles. <laughs> All right. So if I'm up to the 25th to 50th percentile on approval, but I'm at the 75th percentile on humanistic, it doesn't really matter. Right. So there's two ways to view the profile, and this is what makes it difficult, is that in normal circumstances, one word, typical circumstances, I might be very constructive, but also have a little bit of competitive or a little bit of perfectionistic or a little bit of power or a little bit of approval or a little bit of whatever. If it's under the 50th percentile and my constructive styles are significantly above the 50th percentile, then they, they have minimal impact, those defensive styles, because they're low. What I would coach the person is, is to be careful that you don't start to rely on those styles when you get under pressure because mm. we know that can happen. Mm. So you're not looking for the perfect profile. On the other hand, the second way of interpreting a profile, which adds to the complexity, is that if I score low on everything, then I now need to look at how each of those defensive styles compare to the constructive styles. And it's quite possible that a 25th to 50th percentile score on competitive could actually be my strongest style. Mm. So now that that becomes the strongest yes. style to focus yeah. on. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. But, so you've got to look at the, the pattern, yeah. Yeah, don't look for perfectionistic in people. That's not the aim of the game. No, and so, even when we ask people, you know, describe your ideal leader, there'll be a bit of, a little bit yeah. of red and a little bit of green because there's some yeah. functional stuff in there. And yeah. and I think that's it. I, I My theory is to never... I never try to argue people out of items, you know, but, you know, this is proud, self-sufficient. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. What about this one? Yeah. Egotistical. What do you think about that one? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm not going to spend my time trying to convince someone of anything else. And I don't think it is needs to be convinced anyway. It's not, not, not really a problem. Yeah, I think that sometimes, I, mean, I think we're a lot more relaxed around clearer about the, you know, red and green out to the 50th percentile. These are all things that are normal. And I don't know that you ever get to a constructive state that is permanent and never changes. Mm. You know, like I always think like in reality, we go up and down, up and down, up and down. And really you want the trend line to go up yep. above the line because everything else is just human. Mm. Yep. That's great. Well, those are all the items I had. I hope that helped Lisa out and other practitioners there because I know those are pretty common questions that yeah. come up in workshops and debriefs and stuff like that. And I think thanks to Lisa for raising it because we know that these, you know, items, Dom and I sat earlier and he said, you know, guess what <laughs> they are and we pretty much <laughs> guessed all of them so it was a good service to the community, Lisa. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank both of you for your time today and we'll no doubt catch up on another episode soon. Thank you. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia. All rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.